Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I went out to this ranch today working. We were we were going to be preg checking all the cows, and, and so we got them all into the alley, and, and the boss, who's uh, Kevin, that there's just, and I've been day working out there for about three years now, and there's this one cow. She always throws a good calf, but she's kind of a longhorn cross looking thing. And she has one horn that comes out the side of her head and goes down, and the other horn comes out the side of her head and goes up, and she will get you. Okay? So when she got into the sorting alley, Kevin said, hey, man, let's go ahead and just, just get her sorted off. And you know, you, you can tell when one, maybe they haven't even done nothing. But they've just got that look in their eye, and, and she was one of those. And so what we did is, is we kind of went in there, and, and, and you got to kind of be careful about that. And, 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 and we got her kind of sorted off. But how do you do that? How do you uh, go in there and do your job with something that is bigger than you, meaner than you, and can basically do whatever they want? How do you do that? How do you deal with a crooked horn? man-eating carnivorous cow three ways first you're <laughs> sell them <laughs> you know what let me tell you a little story about ranchers okay they will say it for 11 months and 30 days by gosh when i ship i am shipping her i am shipping her and when she comes in with that good calf every single year on the day of shipping they'll be like Next year. Next year, I'm going to get rid of her. It happens every single time, I guarantee you. So anyway, uh, the th three ways to deal with, with a, with a man-eating, carnivorous, crooked-horned, mad mama cow, okay? First thing you got to do, you got to be, your cunning must exceed their crazy, okay? Your cunning must exceed their crazy. Sometimes you can use that against them because we just went in there like I wasn't even seeing her, and they'll tend to try to get away from you. So I just used that against her to cut her off into a pen by herself where she didn't get anybody hurt, okay? And it wasn't just me. It was me and Kevin. So number one, your cunning must exceed their crazy. The second thing that you have, how you handle a man-eating crooked horn, carnivorous, mad mama cow, is your care must exceed their evil capability. Because I guarantee you there has been times that you, I'm just going to shoot her. I'm just going to shoot her, you know. And, you know, I mean, and then that, that old rancher mentality kicks in. But if I can get her in that trailer, I might get 500 for her if she can stay at the sale barn and not jump the, <laughs> jump the fence and, and go somewhere. So our, our care, you know, and, and we do need to care about these cows, even if they're mad, even if they're mean, even if they're on the fight. As a matter of fact, the more that goes up, the more we do have to care. And the third way to how to deal with a man-eating, carnivorous, crooked, horned, mad mama cow is our control must exceed their chaos, okay? Our control must exceed their chaos. I, I, I don't even claim to, to be able to know what goes in, in, on inside of one of those minds, but it's, but it's crazy, okay? It, it's just crazy, and we have to remain in control at all times, and you can get the job done. You know what I call 
a person who is cunning, caring, and control, I'd call him a cowboy. Because that's what we do. We ride animals that are fully capable of killing us easily. Absolutely, absolutely easily. I don't know if you can use two LYs together, but I just did. Absolutely easily, they, they can kill us. Not only do we ride animals that could kill us that are bigger and stronger and smarter than a lot of us, we have to go work animals that are bigger and stronger and in a lot more abundance than we are. Did you know that more cattle kill people in the world annually than sharks do? Think about that, you know? I mean, it, it is a dangerous profession. So when we go out and work, I would call somebody that it was cunning, caring, and in control, I would call that person a cowboy. I don't care what their gender is. But you know what the Bible calls somebody that is cunning, caring, and in control? The Bible calls that person something much more powerful than a cowboy. The Bible calls this person blessed. The Bible calls this person victorious. The Bible says that this person that is cunning, caring, and in control will gain the whole world. And Jesus says all three of those things. The Bible calls him blessed. The Bible calls him victorious. And the Bible says that he will gain the whole world. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus himself in red letters says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The seventh habit of a highly effective cowboy is meekness. Meekness. Now, a lot of people, just because it rhymes with another word called weakness does not mean that they're the same thing. As a matter of fact, they are opposites. Just because they rhyme don't mean that they're the same. Okay? Meekness. Meekness is the cowboy quality where cunning exceeds another's crazy, where caring inside of us exceeds the capability in them, and where our control exceeds the chaos that reigns inside of others. Meekness is this right here. Meekness is absolute, pure strength. It is strength under control. Strength under control. That's what Jesus was, and that's what he has called us to be. He has called us to be more cunning than the world's crazy. He has told us that our loving care must exceed the world's evil capabilities. He says that our control must exceed the world's chaos. So here's the question today. Does your, what describes your life? Is it cunning, caring, and self-control? Or is it more crazy, evil capabilities and pure chaos? Now that takes a lot of courage to self-reflect, if you will. It takes a lot of courage to, to look at our own lives and say, are we in control? Are, are we loving people? Are we using wisdom? Are we cunning? Or, or is our lives just chaotic and crazy and you, we just never know what's, what we're going to do?
the problem and the solution. In Matthew chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells us a problem and then offers us a solution. Okay? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus says this. He says, look, I am sending you out like a sheep among wolves. Be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Wow. Look, I'm sending you out like a sheep among wolves. Be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus is saying that he is sending us into the pastures with Mexican fighting bulls and mad mama cows. Okay, that, that's what he says. That's what it's like whenever you, because when, when we come to accept Christ, we stand up. And when you stand up for Christ, you stand out. Okay, you stand out. And that old devil will draw a bead on you. Those that follow him will draw a bead on you. Because see, what this world wants is that they want you to conform to the patterns of their world. The, 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 this world, the devil wants you just to go down that wide road of destruction, never lifting your head up, never being who he has called you to be. The devil does not want you to succeed. He does not want you to inherit the entire world. The devil does not want you to live a victorious life. He wants you to stay in chaos. He wants you to stay in crazy because that's where this world goes. Jesus said, I am sending you out. And, and you know, but before he says that, he uses a word that, that I, I, I don't know that it's anywhere else. Now, I, I'm not, I didn't go look in a concordance or anything, but it's the only time that I can think of off the top of my head where Jesus says, look, look. What's he saying? He's like, what I'm fixing to say is very important, people. You know, he's got his disciples out there. That's who he's talking to. He's like, look. And when somebody says, look, they look at who's talking. He says, look, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. But he says that you're going to be okay because you're going to be as wise as serpents, yet innocent as doves. Jesus says that we are to be more cunning than their crazy, and our care must exceed their evil capabilities. How do we do that? What we're talking today is about the seventh habit of a highly effective cowboy, and that is meekness. It is the hardest Christian concept, I think, to number one, understand. Number two, to, to live by that. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Our control has to exceed the chaos, okay? Our self-control has to exceed their chaos. How do we become meek? How do we become strong? How do we become victorious? How do we become Christ-like? Our control must exceed the chaos. Luckily for us, we have a book called the Bible that records words that Jesus said, and he always gives us the answer. That does not mean that the answer is always easy. How do we do that? How does our self-control exceed the chaos? Okay, we're going to talk about that. In Luke chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, okay? Luke chapter 6, Jesus talks about one of the hardest passages in the Bible, I mean, you, you want to talk about double tough, double rough? 
Listen to what he commands you to do. Listen to what he commands you to be. Okay, ready? But to who? <laughs> but to you who are willing to listen. Man, he's getting right at us again. Just like in, the, in Matthew, uh, the, the, what was it, Matthew 10, 16. When he says, look, now he's saying, but to you who are willing to listen, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer him your shirt as well. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, do not try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Come on now. How many of us can say, man, I've got that nailed, Kevin. I, I, boy, I'm, I'm not good at much stuff, but I'm good at that right there. Okay. You know, what the, you know what the world would call that? The world would call that weakness. You know what Jesus calls that? He calls that meekness. Why? Why? Because Jesus is not teaching pacifism. Okay. Jesus is not teaching pacifism. He is teaching us that seeking revenge will destroy our control and take away our victory. Okay? What is he saying? He's saying, never take anything personal. Don't take it personal. Did you know that most of what happens to you in this world is like 99% a reflection of the other person. You know why? Because hurt people hurt people. Does that make sense? Hurt people hurt people. Mad people want others to be like them, so they will do whatever it takes to make somebody mad. You just may happen to be on the receiving end of it. Thieves steal. And one day they will steal from you. Jesus says, never take anything personal. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Don't take it personal. Because... When you start taking it personal, when you seek revenge for a slight against you, you know, and, and I didn't write it down, but Jesus goes on to say in that passage, he said, because if you only love those who love you back, even the sinners do that and you're no different than them. He says that you must be different. You must be better. You must be stronger. You must be Better not to raise yourself up, but to stand out. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because then you will know God's perfect will for your life. When you seek revenge, you know what you are actually seeking? When you seek revenge, you seek failure. That's exactly what it is. When you seek revenge, you seek 
failure. It is like taking the crown of life and throwing it at the wind because the wind is blowing. It is taking your trophy buckle and beating against the stone that bruised your heel. It is giving up everything so you can give in to failure. That's what it is. When you take things personal, you are giving up control and offering yourself to the chaos. Never take anything personal. Your control must exceed the chaos and your loving care must exceed this world's evil capabilities. That is why Jesus said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Because what, who does it take a stronger man or woman to be? Somebody that can walk away without taking it personal or somebody that just blows their top and cusses people out and wants to fight or goes and talks trash about everybody. You know, th this right here that I'm talking about, I, I, left, I left this for the seventh habit. Seventh, seven is a godly number. It, 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 you know, I mean, you know, God created the world in seven days and, you know, that, that whole deal. It's kind of a, a recurring good number in the Bible. It's also the hardest. I left meekness for number seven because it is the hardest to do. Your control must exceed the chaos and your loving care must exceed their crazy. Okay, how do we do this? How do we do this? First off, we never take anything personal. But remember, please, 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 please. A lot of you have wondered about this for a long time because Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, man, never take, never seek personal revenge against a, a personal slight. Even when they nailed Jesus to the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I really doubt that any of you have ever been nailed to a cross. Most of the time, somebody gave you a, a look in the grocery store aisle, and now you're all in a tizzy. Well, who does she think she is, by gosh? That dude rode right past me and didn't even say hi or tip his hat or anything to me. I went to shake his hand. And he just walked off. Well, by gosh, he just thinks he's better. Hey, shut up. And who cares about all that? Don't take stuff personal. That's weak. When you take stuff personal, that's weak. But Jesus did not teach pacifism. He said, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. And in John chapter 2 where it might seem that Jesus is doing the complete opposite of what he said over there a while ago about turn the other cheek and everything. Because in John chapter 2, guess what Jesus does? In the temple, he being Jesus, in the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeon and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. Huh. And Jesus just manned from Snowy River to everybody in the temple. Where's the pacifism there, right? Jesus is not saying that you have to be a pansy. He said that you have to not take stuff personal. There is a night and day difference. He says, it's okay if you get mad, but in your anger, do not sin. Now, why was Jesus upset? Okay, when you came in the Old Testament, and I know that Jesus is in the New Testament, but he had not yet died for the forgiveness of others, so they were still practicing the law, right? Jesus came to fulfill the law. 
okay? In the Old Testament, you were supposed to bring to God your best. The first lamb, the first cow, whatever the case was, you were supposed to give to God your best. And in return, he said, if you give me your first and you give me your best, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour a blessing out on you that you cannot contain. That's what Jesus said. Jesus is in the temple, and instead of people bringing their best, you know what they're doing? They're going up to a old-timey vending machine and paying a couple of coins for a pigeon and taking that as the sacrifice. They're just going through the motions. That's all they're doing. They're just going through the motions. There is nothing personal about their sacrifice. And how sad is it that the modern church is the exact same way. We do not give God our best. We do not give him the first of anything. We give him the leftovers. We just go through the motions. And that is why Jesus was so mad, but in his anger, he did not sin. He ran everybody out and said, that's not the point of this. The point is not to go through the motions. And see, these people that were selling the doves, they were making money off of it. You know what I mean? So they were selling people their sacrifice at a low, low cost. Of, I can see the commercials, you know, come on down to Rudy's Pigeons. Get your faultless pigeon and you won't have to think twice about this month's sacrifice. Come on down. And people were like, yes, I don't have to sacrifice anything. I can just pay a couple of coins and get my sacrifice and God's going to like me. Uh, 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 uh. Nope. And you know what? The religious institution was behind it all because they were just going through the motions. Are you just going through the motions in your anger? Do not sin. Once again, just like Jesus was not teaching pacifism earlier, he is not teaching violence here. Okay? Too many times the pacifists say, Jesus said to turn the other cheek. And then, you know, those that want to beat people up, well, remember, Jesus made some cords and just started whooping on folks and tussling with them. Both of those people got it wrong. Jesus was not teaching pacifism, and here he's not condoning violence. It's about being in control when people hurt you and being in control if you see something that makes you mad. Even if you see something that makes you mad. See, Jesus had what's called righteous anger. So I, I'm, I'm going to get, not that you need my permission, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you permission to make some whips and start whooping people with it, but you must meet six criteria in order to do so, Okay. You must meet six criteria in order to do it. Let's look at why Jesus was able to do that. Number one, his anger had the proper motivation. Okay, no, nobody had gone up and, and called him a dumb head. Nobody had given him a, who do you think you are, look or anything like that. His anger had the pro proper motivation. He was not being selfish. And in 99% of everything that makes me mad and you mad is a result of selfishness in some form or fashion. Well, he cut me off. That was my spot. This is taking too so long. It's inconveniencing me. See, Jesus had the proper motivation. He was not being selfish. It was not about him. Number two, his anger had the proper focus. He was not angry at God 
or at the weakness of other, okay? His anger targeted sinful behavior and true injustice, okay? Does that make sense? He was not mad at anybody. His anger was focused on sinful behavior and true injustice. Number three, his anger had the proper supplement. And and I'm just going to say this right here. I did not come up with these because this is kind of beyond my deal. If you ever have any questions about the Bible, you can go to a website called gotquestions.org. And man, they do a great job. I'm not saying that I agree with every single you know, word that they say, but man, they, those people, and I think they're based in Colorado Springs. They do a really, really good job. And this does come from them. So I want to give proper credit where credit is due. Number three, his anger had the proper supplement. Okay. Not mineral. Okay. Not mineral supplement, but you know, that other supplement, Jesus's anger stemmed from love for the Pharisees, those religious people that were screwing it up so bad. His anger stemmed from the love for the Pharisees and his concern for their spiritual condition. It had nothing to do with hatred or ill will. In other words, he was mad because they were hurting themselves. I mean, in a spiritual sense, these people were over there beating their heads against the wall and Jesus went over there and run them out of the room so that they couldn't beat their heads on the wall anymore. How much are we doing that? beating our emotional heads against the wall because of our anger is misplaced or or we're doing something that, that God's like, man, don't do that. You're just hurting yourself. Number four, his anger had the proper control. Jesus was never out of control. Even in his wrath, he was never out of control. The temple leaders did not like him cleansing the temple. That's what they call it, the cleansing of the temple. But he had done nothing sinful. He controlled his emotions. His emotions did not control him. It's okay to be mad if you're in control. And you, and, and you can't be in control 95% of the time. And then that one time, smart off and say something that's going to hurt somebody just because you're mad. Okay? Or just because somebody's opinion differs than yours. His anger had proper motivation. His anger had proper focus. His anger had the proper supplement. His anger had the proper control. His anger had the proper... Ready? Everybody pick their toes up off the floor because this one's going to hurt. His anger had the proper duration. His anger had the proper duration. He did not allow his anger to turn into bitterness. He did not hold grudges. He dealt with each situation properly and he handled anger in good time. He did what he needed to do and then he was done. I've worked for some ranchers that would just climb your hiney and then five minutes later they was good. You know, they were good. And I've worked for some other people and been around some other people that you did the slightest thing, oh, they're going to be mad for two weeks, right? Jesus' anger anger had the proper duration. He did what needed to be done. He was not being selfish about it. It had proper focus. It had proper supplement. It had proper control. It had proper duration. And here's the last one. His anger had the proper result. His anger had the proper result. Jesus' anger had the inevitable consequence of godly action. Jesus' anger, as well with all of his emotions, was held in check by the word of God. Thus, Jesus' 
response was always to accomplish God's will. He never did anything that was not according to God's will or God's plan. So, whenever we say that we should turn the other cheek, I'm not asking you to be weak. I'm asking you not to take stuff personal. I'm asking you to rise above. Jesus is commanding you to be victorious, to be strong, to be brave, because it takes somebody not to take stuff personal. And Jesus isn't even asking us that, to not get mad. He said, you know, because it, it's easier to not get mad than to be able to get mad and not sin in your anger, right? So he, what he's asking us is to be meek, and meek is absolute strength under complete control. That is meekness. Even when you're mad, control must exceed the chaos and loving care must exceed evil's capabilities. You know what I'd call a person who is cunning, caring, and in control? I'd call him a cowboy. The Bible calls him something much more powerful. The Bible calls him blessed. The Bible calls him victorious. The Bible says that he will gain the whole world. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Let's go to God in prayer. God, the ultimate habit we can have as Christians is the quality of meekness. Give us the power and the wisdom and the love needed to accomplish what you've called us to. This strength is only available through the Holy Spirit, which we receive when we call on Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Give that person that's here today that you've been speaking to this whole time the courage right now to give up their life and ride for Jesus instead. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby again, and I've got a free gift for you. This month, we are giving away a signed copy of the Simplified Cowboy version of Proverbs. What is the Simplified Cowboy version? It's a verse-by-verse Bible paraphrase in the words of a cowboy. All you have to do to get your signed copy of Proverbs is to text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977 and make a donation of any amount. Once again, for the month of December, to get your free signed copy of the Simplified Cowboy version of Proverbs, text Save the Cowboy to 77977 and make a donation to help us out. Thank you in advance, my friends. We sure couldn't do it without you.